Good morning, everyone. So I, uh, my six-year-old Claire walked into the, uh, our bedroom this morning and said, I had a bad dream, which is a code word for I woke up early and I just want to cuddle in bed with you and mommy. Um, and I, Kristen had to get up because the dog started barking. It's a normal, casual morning in the Zabo house and you have lots of kids. And um, I looked at Claire and I said, are you going to listen to Daddy preach this morning? And she just plainly said no. Um, So I'm glad that got balanced out at least by a lot of my families here. And I'm really excited that um, my new boss at Anderson, uh, who's my principal, Rob Fellows, who's here today, um, is here. And he's a Christian, and it's nice to have a Christian boss. All right, I'm very excited about that. So um, last week we... The, the message was more for non-believers. It was what the gospel is, what the gospel is not, uh, why, um, why people would be confused when they came into a worship service if they'd never heard about Jesus Christ before. Why would they listen to us? Why would they think it was normal for people to sing even when they have terrible voices why you take communion all like none of that makes sense until you know that Jesus Christ is your savior and then things start falling into place today is going to be more for us that are already believers and we're going to talk about how to spread the gospel why we spread the gospel and why most people don't spread the gospel and I told you last week too uh This has been really on my heart lately because I just don't think I've done a really good job with this. I'm starting to do a better job, but I think this is part of my life that I failed at in the past. And I even told you that the person I love the most in the whole world, my wife, and my mom's like, what? (laughs) All right. The person that I love the most in the whole world, my wife, I told you, I admitted to you guys last week, I confessed one of my sins to you. I never spread the gospel to my wife. Thank goodness for this group of people here because you did it for me. But um, it's embarrassing for me that I never did that. All right. And I I think a lot I told you that I don't feel like I ever live in a vacuum. If I'm really good at something, I think other people are good at it. If I'm really bad at something, I think other people are really bad at it also. So I think a lot of us struggle with this. And this is something that's been on my heart a lot. Okay. So. That's what happens when you put it in your pocket. Okay, so what is the gospel message? We talked last week, and if you want this sermon, I'll be more than happy to email it to you. You can walk up front and say, hey, here's my email address. I'll punch it in, and I'll send it to you right away. Everyone has sinned. Nobody is justified in God's eyes by their own works. God sent Jesus to die on the cross, so we have a Savior, and we confess this fact. Repentance has to occur. We are baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is the only way to get out of the bondage of sin. This is the only way to become holy, which means set apart. Uh, your soul is lost if you not do this, and you need to follow Jesus' commands. So that's what we talked about, what the gospel was. So that's just a quick rundown of it. Now, let's talk about the Great Commission real quick. What did Jesus say on this? So if um, you've never been here before, there's Bibles in front of you. Um, please follow along. We read a lot of scripture here. That's better than me talking any day of the week. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It 
It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When Jesus came, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Spreading the gospel takes your mouth to do. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. As surely uh, I am with you always to the very end of age. And then Mark 16. Which is the same account. Mark 16, 15 said, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news, which is the gospel. The gospel is the good news. To all creation. Go to Romans 10. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Go to Philippians 1. Philippians 1, 12 through 18 says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in the chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they uh, can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. And verse 18 has always in some ways baffled me. But what does it matter? It doesn't matter why people are, uh, are preaching about Christ. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. That one has always kind of baffled me. All right. Uh, James 3.1. This verse always makes me uncomfortable as someone who teach, teaches Bible classes and preaches from time to time. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I can't tell you how many times I think about that verse when I'm getting ready to preach. <laughs> All right. And it, it makes me nervous every single time. So hopefully I live up to the standard. <laughs> All right. Now, why should we spread the gospel? So you just heard a bunch of verses about Jesus saying uh, to go out and spread the gospel. Paul talked about it. Why should we spread the gospel? First of all, it's a direct command. Go to James 4.17. Jesus gave us a direct command to do this. And in James 4.17, it says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. That should also make all of us uncomfortable. You are an ambassador of the king. And this is what Kip read. We're going to go back and read it again. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Oh, no. 
He didn't read it, did he? Oh, sorry, this is what Kip was supposed to read. That shows you how much I was thinking about my sermon today as we were going through this. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 6-21. through 21. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. Uh, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we, are, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the old one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view because we don't live here anymore. Remember, we don't live in America. You live in the kingdom of God. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do uh, so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Because remember, Christ is the king. We are subjects of the king. We are ambassadors of the king. So we don't talk what we want to talk about. We talk about what the king wants to talk about. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Next thing, there are incorrect gospel messages out there. One of the big ones today, if you walk into most mega churches these days, they teach the prosperity gospel. They, there aren't all, all the gospels you hear about aren't the same. That's why I had to lay out all those verses to you last week. The prosperity gospel basically says this. If your, your relationship with God is shown through your health and wealth, that is basically what's taught these days in the prosperity gospel, which is absolutely craziness. Because if you think about all of the people that served God on a daily basis, most of them lived horrendous lives. Elijah's life was not fun. Jeremiah's life, not fun. I, I, I don't know if I'd trade places with those guys. All right. John the Baptist, who was referred to by Jesus as the greatest man that has been born of a woman, got his head chopped off. Right? And then here's the final nail in the coffin. The person that followed God's commands better than anyone else and never sinned got crucified. So there are other messages out there that are competing with the actual gospel. So it is our job to make sure we spread that gospel. Now, 
They are rejecting Jesus, not you. And this goes back to you being ambassador. So if the ambassador of the United States goes to Iran and he says, this is what the United States wants you to do. And the, and the Iranian government, whatever it is these days, I don't keep track because I don't live here. The Iranian government says to them, no, we don't want anything that your government wants. The ambassador shouldn't leave and go, I, don't, I can't believe they don't like me. It has nothing to do with them. It's the message that the government sent. And remember, we live in a kingdom. So Mark 6. Mark 6, 7 through 12. says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Now, I also don't want you to use these verses to say, well, I went in there and I told them about Jesus. They said they didn't like me, so I'm just never talking to them again. That's not what it's saying either. But you've got to understand that you are going to be rejected, and so it's not that big of a deal. You just keep working, keep trying, and keep uh, pushing forward. Now, why else should we spread the gospel? This is the hard one. This is the kind of stuff I don't like talking about when I'm up here. People are going to go to hell. That's a hard thing to say, and that's a thing that I don't like to say. It doesn't get me excited to say that. But we all know that it's true. So 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10 says, all this evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from the heaven in a blazing fire and with uh, with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the, um, and from the, majesty, uh, the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. We also know that the path to salvation is very narrow and we also know that the path to destruction is very wide. The argument then comes into, how wide do you want that thing to be, and how narrow do you want that thing to be? Whether God says or not, yes, we know that this part is going to be much more, this is going to be much bigger than this part. We should try to make this narrow part as large as possible. That's our job. Try to widen that thing open as far as it can. Try to jam as many people in there, right? Population density. Let's just get as many people in there as possible. That's our job. God's judgment's God's judgment. We have no control over that. All we control is how we spread the gospel to people. This is the other thing. When you go out there to spread the gospel, people are not the enemy, I know we go out there and we have arguments with people and sometimes we get a little excited because they don't believe what we believe in and all those kind of things. People are not the enemy. 
People are just in the bondage of sin, and we're trying to get them out. Just like we were lucky enough to get out at one point, too. They aren't the enemy. Their actions are the problem. We are trying to save them. Next thing. People want to know this good news, because guess what? They already know the bad news. They live in it every day. You know the joy that we feel because we know that we're saved and we're living productive lives for Christ? They don't get that joy. We're trying to save them. We are trying to save them. They know how hard life is already. They know it. We don't have to tell them. They live it every day. People that live in sin live in constant chaos 24 hours a day. They already know the bad news. We got to tell them the good news. All right. Why most people will not spread the gospel? Why they won't spread the gospel? Remember I told you this used to be me on a, on a really uh, broad sense. I saw a stat when I was doing research for this that 95% of all Christians have never led anyone to Christ. Okay, just I'll give you it for a second because I'm a math guy. As soon as I see, see a statistic, I immediately debunk it. All right, it's immediately wrong for whatever reason. I always think of some reason to make it wrong. That's what we do as math nerds. All right, now let's just say that that's wrong and that's too high of an estimate. Let's say it's 70%. That's still a ridiculous number. If it's 50%, Still a ridiculous number. If it's 10%, still a ridiculous number. It should be 0%. That number should be 0%. 0% is what that should be. Because it's all of our jobs to spread the gospel. All of us. Now, here are some other reasons why people don't spread the gospel. You might believe that people, uh, you don't believe that people are going to hell. If you don't believe that people are going to hell, then you aren't going to spread the gospel to people. People don't care if people go to hell. That's got to be one of the other reasons. That's a possibility. And then people want others to go to hell. Now let me take a little break from that, because I know those are really hard statements I just made. It might not be a conscious decision, but if I got a text from someone right now that said, North Korea is going to nuke America. And I went down into my bunker that I had built. I don't have one. If I went down into a bunker I built, Kristen was like, you got a bunker? That's where where all of our savings have been going. So you go down into this bunker and you hide and everyone dies. Well, most people die. All the other people that have bunkers, they're alive too. And you come out, and someone finds out that you were the only person that got the text about North Korea nuking America. How do you think they'd feel about you? They would look at you and go, what are you talking about? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you run around like a crazy person telling everyone? We would do that. If I got that text right now, I would start running around. I'd take Dave and Kip with me because they can run forever. I'd take them with me, and we would just run and run, and we would tell everyone to go protect yourselves, right? Why don't we do that with people that we know are living horrible lives and are going to go to hell? We don't take that same urgency. We don't. 
Now, people want others to go to hell or they don't care if people go to hell. I really want you to think about this for a second. When Osama bin Laden got killed, were you happy? When Osama bin Laden was killed, were you happy? I saw a lot of people very excited that were Christians that Osama bin Laden died. Now, we all know he's an evil man, but he, he died lost. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the only way to get to heaven, then Osama bin Laden died in his sins and is going to go to hell. And if you were happy about that, you have to rethink how you view this thing called Christianity. A lot of us were really excited about that. Now, that's what I'm saying. It's not always conscious. Sometimes it's just, I'm an American, so I'm really excited that America won. Who cares about my spirituality right now because America won? It's not always conscious. So just, I want you to think about things about people being lost. Next thing, people don't believe that spreading the gospel will work. Why? Because it's scary. (laughs) It's hard. This isn't easy. I mean, Jesus even said, you're going to go into towns, they're going to reject you and leave, and then go try the next one. He was already telling them, you're going to go out and get rejected. That's a great pep talk, right? Yeah, wouldn't it be great if my boss looked at me and said, Adam, go get them. Rob said, hey, go teach them math. Our test scores are going to be terrible, but go for it. I'd be like, thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. All right, but it's the reality of the situation. Now, remember, if Jesus gave us a direct command, what should we assume? That it's going to work, right? We got to have a little bit of faith in this situation. Next thing, we're just like Moses in the burning bush. We're told, hey, go. Go save people. And for Moses, it was, hey, go get the Israelites out of bondage. Go save them. For us, it's go spread the gospel and baptize as many people as you can and bring people to Christ. What did Moses immediately do? Oh, I, don't, I can't talk very well. I don't think they'll believe me. You know, we say the exact same thing when it's time for us to spread the gospel. We worry about offending people than offending God. We are so scared of going up to somebody and telling them about the gospel because it might make them a little uncomfortable that we don't worry about offending God. I know last week my sermon offended some of you, hopefully in a good way. Some of you probably left last week going, oh my gosh, (laughs) that was the purpose. All right. And I hopefully I did it in a loving way and I didn't try. I didn't want it to sound, you know, mean or anything. But I wanted to make sure that the gospel message got spread because I did not want to walk up to the judgment day and God go, why didn't you spread the gospel to your in-laws? Why didn't you fill in the blank? I don't want to have to answer for that. Next thing, we worry about more about our earthly success and salvation. Do you know how much time we spend trying to get our kids to go to college? That's, I mean, Rob and I teach in a public school, right? What do we spend all our time doing? Getting there to college, right? What should we really be doing, though? And I know there's some balance to this. Trying to get people into heaven. Who cares? Would you rather have a CEO of a company 
that goes to hell? Or would you rather have a janitor that goes to heaven? Right? Or fill in whatever other hardworking uh, manual labor job you want to. We've got to think about that stuff. Also, why most people will not spread the gospel. Kip and I had this conversation at my house a couple, or the, about a month ago. And this slide is all because of Kip. <laughs> okay? This is what Kip said to me when we were having this conversation. That's why it's nice to sometimes run your, what you're thinking in your brain past an elder because he fills in the gaps. All right? That's his job. All right? I'm, we're having this conversation about the gospel because I've been on this, thinking about this for months now. I've been watching videos, listening to sermons, reading, whatever. And Kip said this to me. People will never discuss something that they do not appreciate, first of all. If you don't have an appreciation for what Christ did for you and what, how, what he saved you from, you're not going to talk about it. Why would you? You don't talk about things you don't appreciate. You don't, when you go to the drive-thru and you get, then they hand you fast food, you don't go around the rest of the day going, oh, it, they were just... They got my food out in like two minutes and they gave it to No, we don't really appreciate that. It's not a big deal for us. So that's what we don't talk about very much. We're not going to talk about something that we don't love. You have to love this stuff. You're not going to talk about something that you don't understand because none of us want to sound like idiots. So we have to do some background work to learn. You have to have a passion for it and you have to have an enjoyment of it or you're not going to talk about it. You aren't going to. And Kip gave me this example. He said, Adam, I don't love football like you love football. And I said, yeah, I've known that for years. <laughs> All right? And he said, I can stand in the foyer, and, and I know a little bit about football because that helps me communicate with a lot of the men in the congregation. And so, it just, so that's why I kind of get involved. He uses it as kind of like just a way to get people talking to him and stuff. But he goes, I can't talk about it like you talk about it. Why? Because he doesn't appreciate, love, understand, have a passion for, or enjoy it. So he's not going to talk about it. You only talk about things that are this. All right? We are way more passionate about telling people about these things. And I'll I'll add this in there real quick. If you talk to most men about this week in America, and and I'll even refine it down to Christian men, I can almost guarantee you that this week, Christian men talked more about their fantasy football team and the Mayweather-McGregor fight than they did about Jesus Christ this week. I can almost guarantee it. Because guess what? All I heard all week from every person I knew was about those two things that have nothing to do with anything. Those two things. And now we got to think. How much are we talking about Christ compared to the rest of the stuff in our lives? We are extremely passionate about telling people about our family, about how wonderful my wife is, about my kids, all those kind of things. We talk about our jobs constantly. We talk about our successes. We talk about our favorite sports team. We will sit. So I I heard Francis Chant one time. He was talking about how they were thinking about building an outdoor congregation in uh, California and so that they could save a lot of money because he wanted to be able to then give more money to the poor and he 
And he got huge pushback from his congregation when they first started it. And he was like, guys, you're telling me you will not sit out in the rain or a little bit cold to hear about Christ? And, the, and everybody was like, no, we don't want to do that. And he's like, every we- for eight weeks every year, people sit at Lambeau Field for three hours in the worst conditions possible, where it's snowing and sleeting, and they would never leave for three hours because they're so excited to be there cheering on the Green Bay Packers. But we can't even sit outside for an hour in the heat to save some money so we can give it to the poor. What is wrong with us? That's basically what we say. What is wrong with us? People love to talk politics, right? Sometimes our Republicanness or our Democratness supersede our Christianness. And we'll fight. And the other problem is we'll fight with each other about it on Facebook to other Christians. Like it matters. Like God's up there going, well, I'm not sure if the kingdom of heaven is going to last if Donald Trump gets elected. Like, that's ever going to happen. All right? We talk about things we just bought. You get a man a new car, and he will talk about that thing for six years until the payments are done. All right? We will be more than happy to talk about what's wrong with other people. We do that constantly. And we will always talk about who treats us poorly. But we don't talk about Jesus even close to us passionately about all that kind of stuff. So how is the gospel spread? First of all, by people doing it in a loving way. It's spread by people. Go to 2 Timothy. Two, two, uh, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the traps of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We need to also do this by slipping it into conversations. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm standing at Purcell Marion the other day watching the football team practice because I just got done training some people. And um, the, the trainer is standing next to me, and he made a comment about how the kids weren't acting well and stuff like that and how they don't act well in school because Purcell's an inner-city Catholic school, and there are some struggles with behaviors. And, um, and, I, and I looked at Alan, and I said, well, one of the things that helped my kids was going to Bible class since they were like two years old. <laughs> And he looked at me and he goes, where do you go to church? And that immediately got the conversation going. All right. And then we had this, we had about a 10 minute conversation about God, Christ, where he's going to church right now, so on and so forth. Slip it in. When I train kids, one of these days I'm going to get in trouble. I've probably told you this before. I constantly make the statements of things like, do it because this is where God put your limbs. Or arch your back because then the weight goes back into your uh, glutes. And that's where God put a lot of muscle. I make those kind of comments. I just kind of slip it into things. Start with your world. 
Don't get overwhelmed going, man, if I don't go to Jamaica to spread the gospel like the rest of the people do, then I am just not living for Christ. No. God doesn't care if it's a rich person, a poor person, a white person, a black. Doesn't care. Souls are souls. There are just as many lost souls in Loveland as there are in Haiti, Jamaica, fill in the blank. So we have to spread the gospel in our world. You have a certain group of people you can influence. Please influence them. The work has to be split up. None of us can do this on our own. Remember Moses was doing all the judging for all the two million people that were there. And then Jethro comes in and says, this is what father-in-laws say. You're an idiot. All right? I mean, what are you doing? All right, my father-in-law, Steve, who I always ask business advice of, he, always, he looks at me all the time and goes, what are you doing? And it's great because then he starts fixing all my problems. All right? That's why he's great. All right? Peter and Paul. Peter went to the Jews. Paul went to the Gentiles. The work was split up. Charity work can allow for people to listen to you about the gospel, but it's not essential. A lot of us have come down to the thought process now. If we're not doing charity work, then we're not spreading the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. Charity work can help you in that process, but it's not the gospel. Don't worry about your church attendance. If tomorrow you baptize one of your best friends and he goes, starts going to Northeast or whatever, yay, right? I mean, think about it. If you're spreading the gospel to improve your church attendance, or if you're spreading the gospel to increase the budget at your congregation, those kind of things, how selfish is that? It's just selfish. Why do we spread the gospel? Because we want souls to go to heaven. That's why. Questions for all of us, and then we'll finish up here. First of all, why am I not constantly talking to people about Jesus? It might be you're scared. For me, it's, I don't want to get fired. Right? I teach in a public school. It's a concern of mine. One of these days, I am going to get in trouble. Because the kids, when they ask, I've told you this before, when they, ask, when they find out I'm a Christian, they ask me pointed questions. They ask me questions like, do you believe in homosexual marriage? They ask me. And I answer. Sorry, Rob. I answer. (laughs) I answer. Now, I don't go around just going through the hallways yelling about it. When they ask me a question, I answer them truthfully. It's going to get me in trouble one of these days. Would you get fired as Jesus' PR person? Well, if, first of all, you're not spreading the gospel, you're going to get fired. Also, if you don't represent the brand, you're going to get fired. And... When I was a head football coach at Williamsburg and Bethel, I should have never, ever one time in my life told any of those kids that I was a Christian. Because guess why? Because I wasn't acting like one. And I would have actually done more damage telling those kids that I'm a believer in Christ than it would if I would have just kept my mouth shut. Because I acted like a fool. I was selfish. When I'd get angry, I would curse. I, didn't, I was just worried about if we were going to win games or not. I would get frustrated with people that weren't on board and I wouldn't love them and treat them correctly. And that's really easy to do when you're the head football coach and everyone tells you you're an idiot all the time when you're in charge. All right? But 
I would have been the worst PR person for Jesus that you could find. All right? So you got to, would you be fired as a PR person? Is my potential embarrassment or their potential salvation more important? Most of the time, we're more worried about if we're going to be embarrassed than if they're going to go to heaven. And then think about what will help me to be able to spread the gospel. Maybe it is charity work. Maybe it is just you know some people at work that want to have a little Bible study and you just start with a couple people. For some of us, it's just our family. Not everyone in my family, with all my stepmen, remember, we got tons of it, right? With all the divorces and remarried, we got tons of it. I have cousins that are lost. I have all kinds of family members that are lost. I don't have to go far to need to tell the gospel to somebody. I don't have to go very far. You don't either. You don't either. And guess what? Talking to your family sometimes is the hardest thing because they know how big of an idiot you are. They know how big of an idiot I am. They know all the mistakes I've made. They know all the time that I haven't treated people correctly. They know all that. So it's very easy for them to look at you and say, well, you didn't da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then you're going to have to answer those questions. And then think, who can I start with today? There's somebody right now on your mind that you can start with today. And don't try to hit a home run. Don't go up tomorrow to the person you know is an atheist and start going at them. The easiest way is to find somebody that's already close and start talking to them. All right? And then successes lead to more successes. And you've got to understand something, too. Spreading the gospel is about exponential growth. If all of us in here tomorrow were able to bring someone to Christ and baptize them in the next year, and then all of those people were able to bring someone, it's exponential growth. People always go, how are we going to grow a church? You guys have probably thought that, too, because this is a little congregation. It's been a little congregation this whole time. How are we going to grow this church? Do we need programs? Do we need, is the singing need to be better? Does the guest preacher need to do a better job? Did, will he just stand up there, please, so we can all be comfortable? <laughs> like, what? No. The answer is, every person in here goes and spreads the gospel. That's the answer. That's always the answer. It's always been the answer. From the beginning, when Jesus said, go out and do this, that's always been the answer. It's never been any different. So we can get into all these other conversations about, well, maybe we should have two potlucks every month instead of one potluck, and then I'll make people more. No, go spread the gospel. Go spread the gospel. Now, today, Dale's getting ready to come up here to sing our invitation song. If you need to talk to anybody about this thing called the gospel, about how it applies to you, do you need to be a part of it? Do you want to be a part of it? What are the other things that we can talk about to make you a baptized believer? You can do that when people are, after this, just sitting around talking if you want to grab one of us and have that conversation in private, or you can do it now as we stand and sing.